Good evening, and welcome to the Dr. Zeus Film Podcast. January 19th, 1943, Port Arthur, Texas. When I say Port Arthur, Texas, you know who I'm talking about. Got her start singing at Threadgills. Janice Lynn Joplin, born January 19th, 1943, died 50 years ago, October 4th, 1970. Heroin overdose. Mm. She's the first queen of rock and roll. She was the first one in the all-male world of rock and roll. Singing blues covers, writing some of her own songs, try just a little bit harder. With her mezzo-sopranic voice, soprano voice, and electric stage persona, I mean... Janis Joplin took you to the hilt. That's why she called her next band Phil Tilt Boogie. Started out with Big Brother and the Holden Company, who also had auditioned. They were looking for girl singers. They had also auditioned Grace Slick, who later went to Jefferson Airplane. So, you know, Grace Slick had a different singing style, and Janis, Janis had what Big Brother and the Holding Company was looking for. Mm. So we have this wonderful documentary. This is, of course, Documentary December, Dr. Zeus Film Podcast. We're going to talk about a lot of documentaries. This was released in 2015, directed by Amy Berg. Chan Marshall, who does the narration of the voice of Janis Joplin. You have Janis Joplin appearing in archival footage, photographs. goes all the way. It starts at the beginning, goes all the way to the death at age 27. This rock icon, this blues hybrid, I mean, every, and she was a social outcast. You know, the thing about rock and roll is a lot of these people don't have a home. A lot of these people are poor. A lot of these people are social outcasts. Janis Joplin, I mean, fit it to a T, basically. What we have in this documentary is we have a bridge a bridge to tell the story of Janis Joplin, connecting her to the story of the two different states that she lived in, Port Arthur, Texas, and San Francisco, California. Opens with a narration by singer Chan Marshall of the band Cap Power. Her sister Laura Joplin tells the story of her beginning, how she was kicked out of the choir early because she wouldn't follow the instructions probably because she had a better voice than most of the choir and she wouldn't sing pretty. The music of Janice helps to tell the story. This, I mean, this isn't just a soundtrack. This is Janice. If you want to know Janice, you listen to her songs, Little Girl Blue. This is the title of the movie, of the documentary. Her younger brother, Michael Joplin, also talks about Janice as a rebel. She liked to rock the boat. When, um, you know, everyone was talking about segregation and she was for it. Or no, she was against it. She was for integration. Even though the town of Port Arthur, Texas had its own active KKK branch. She stunned many male friends by always wanting to be the most boisterous, loudest girl in the room. She, I mean, you got to think about this. She really wanted to play with the boys of rock and roll, and she did early on. She was with some male friends who called her a troublesome little kid and discovered she could sing. She sang an, a rendition of an, of an Odetta song. 
I want to correct something. Janice believed in integration, not segregation, okay? Let's get that out of the way. And in San Francisco, that was a big thing, these peaceful marches. And you look at the South at that time. This is before LBJ signed that bill in 1964, the Civil Rights Bill, okay? And you have Janis Joplin, who is seen as this beatnik, this hippie, you know, this, this social outcast. I mean, that's, that's how people saw her. And she went to San Francisco, and she discovered her own kind. This documentary, you know, I loved it. My friends loved it. The world's going to love it. Why are we talking about Janis Joplin? Why? I promise to you. Because we're going to learn something about this woman. This woman who was the first female icon of rock and roll, along with Grace Slick. Let's not take anything away from Grace Slick. And we're going to talk about Grace Slick at some point during this podcast series. Janis Joplin, what else can I say about that voice? You heard it. You When she sang, you heard all the pain. You heard everything. You also heard that, that Texas straw that she had, you know. Um, discovered the love of music, you know, went to Austin, Texas. Austin, Texas is Music City Central, you know. It's not just Nashville, you know. She talks about hearing live music, not recorded music going to Austin, Texas for the first time. Janis Joplin, this icon, this troubled soul, I mean, had really did, she really wanted to be famous. She really did. And, you know, she achieves all that fame. And what happens? You know, um, well, a lot, a lot went down. And, um, it's it's truly a moment. It she was living on borrowed time, you know? And we can't play the music because well it's Janice and I don't want the estate to come after me. You know, um My God. What an interesting woman. Just so interesting. Mm. Dear fam, Here we go. I managed to pass my 27th birthday without really feeling it. Ah, uh, such a funny game. Two years ago, I didn't even want to be it. No, that's not true. I've been looking around and I've noticed something. After you reach a certain level of talent, and quite a few have that talent, the deciding factor is ambition, or as I see it, how much you really need need to be loved and need to be proud of yourself and I guess that's what ambition is it's not all depraved quest for position or money maybe it's for love lots of love ha Janice and that's the narration provided by Chan Marshall of Cat Power. If you've never heard of Cat Power, like, in fact, she did sing a few Janis Joplin covers at one point. Like Janis Joplin, she knows the blues. Say the least. Okay, you guys. Is everybody ready? Yeah. Um... We don't want to put Janice's voice on here in terms of the songs, you know, because, like I said, they're copyrighted. What an extraordinary life. What a sad ending. 
this intense woman. You know, let's listen to Chan Marshall talk about it. I dated Janice a few times. And then when I was doing the, when I did the letters, I knew it was going to be difficult because um, it's a big responsibility because she's passed. So it's not like I could call her and say, yo, Janice, how are you feeling this day? And um, what did you mean when you said that? So I was putting a little bit of my own feelings because um, of my own situation of writing my own family letters. I remember what it was like to feel that feeling of, I'm going to write this to them, you know, will they understand it? Will they accept me? You know, do they like me more? You know, do they think that I'm not the black sheep because I'm telling them this cool information that makes me feel good about myself? I was looking at the footage before I do the read and, um, you know, it would fill me with feelings knowing the things that were going on in her life at that time. And I remember the last letter, I couldn't catch my breath because I was crying because for her to still apologize for who she was and uh, what she couldn't be for her family was really hard and to realize that she, you know, maybe when she passed, she still didn't feel like she had accomplished what she wanted, you know, which I guess was love and acceptance from for, for being herself. That's that's amazing that both singers so powerful, you know, um I think they really picked a really good singer to not only narrate Janice's letters, but evoke the emotion and the feeling cuz she really did it. What else can I say about Janice Joplin, icon? Wasn't until 1967. Monterey Pop. Big Brother and the Holding Company had put out some records. They were known. I think they had only put them out locally. They were known locally. In fact, I had a late friend of mine who was a professor. Um, his name was Felix Cano. Very nice man. Um, was a science professor. And told me that he saw Janis Joplin and the Doors play in Sacramento, California. He said it was wild. So I want to evoke that right there. I don't want to give tribute to Dr. Kano. Such a nice man. Loved rock and roll. I loved our conversations. Um, I thought of him just now, you know. And recently I thought, yeah, we, you know, he lived the 60s. I wasn't even a thought. You know, I didn't come here till 1980. I wasn't born till 1980. So to talk about these people that were present within my parents, you know, growing up and the music scene, many of my friends who are older than me, they could tell me things about Janis Joplin, you know. I have a friend who one time was mistooken for Janis Joplin in Berkeley. Or was it Texas? I, I, I would assume it was Berkeley. I, I think it was the People's Park. You know what I mean? Mm. So, Monterey Pop. Janice has already become a local star in San Francisco with Big Brother and the Holding Company. She has also unfortunately developed the heroin addiction that would kill her. She was a heavy drinker. When she first went to San Francisco, before she got into the music scene, she had you know, started a relationship with a woman. Um, and the woman who is in the documentary said, you know, it was just, it, it wasn't out of the ordinary for her. And, and Janice had relationships with both men and women. Um, 
but became addicted to speed and got so skinny that they literally had to raise money to get her on a bus back to Port Arthur. And then she ultimately came back to San Francisco when a friend of hers had said she would be great as a singer for Big Brother and the Holding Company because they were auditioning. And this documentary covers it all. It covers Monterey Pop. You know what happened at Monterey Pop? Everyone was signed. You have to sign something to appear on camera for D.A. Penny Baker's Monterey Pop Festival. And Big Brother didn't want to sign it. And so they weren't going to appear on camera. Janice raised hell. And said, oh, hell no. I've worked for this my entire life. She said, we're appearing on camera. And so, the rest is history. Janice and Big Brother and the Holy Company went up on stage to do... Um, Ball and Chain, an old blue song. Ball and chain kicked open the door to the point where Mama Cass of the Mamas and the Papas, her mouth was dropped, saying, oh my God. She couldn't believe what she saw. And Janice was so overtaken with emotion that she literally skipped off stage. And you can see it on her. She had command and control. She knew what she wanted. You know, yeah, she was self-deprecating, but if you see that clip of her, and she's got that command of that stage, and then when she goes off, it's like she turns into another person. A lot of performers have that, they, you know, oh, that sinking feeling, and then they get up there, and it's like, what sinking feeling? It's like they become, a, it's like a whole nother world, basically. It's like a trance, in a way. Janice fell under that trance. And after Monterey Pop was approached by Columbia Records, Clive Davis, to sign a contract with Brig Brother and the Holding Company. Columbia put out their record, went to number one. The documentary covers all of this. The documentary goes deep. It gets grimy. And, you know, fame is... Fame is a really, it can be a really dirty thing. It can be a nice thing, but there's always people along the way that get you. And Janice was not immune. And a lot went down. A lot of sad things went down. And um, the heroin addiction just became too intense too intense and she played she did Woodstock High and they I mean the performance I think they almost you know um, they almost cut it and um, here we go She was a, a really a different person. She was much more calm. She was much more beautiful. I mean, you know, and she wasn't used to being straight, so she knew she was more beautiful. And then after that, everything was clear. We, she couldn't have gotten higher when we traveled around Brazil. She was so free and so different than any other girl I'd ever met. 
never had a woman inspire me before. So it stopped me in my tracks, so to speak. I was heading for North Africa, and when I met her, I realized, shit, I'm not going anywhere. When we came back to California, we more spent time together, just the two of us. I mean, we did come to the park here, and we did go to the hate, but basically, we just pretty much hung together. We were inseparable, really, for those months. As my relationship with Janice grew, I realized that when she sang me all these songs, they were always the blues. And that's what she felt, basically, were the blues. She could feel everybody's pain. That's one of the reasons she did heroin, was so she didn't have to be involved with everybody else's life. Most people can be oblivious to what's going on around them, but Janice couldn't. She couldn't block it out. But she was addicted to it, you know? And I got her to stop, and then when I would go away, she'd get weak, I guess, is one way to say it, you know, and start it again. I told her, I, I can't do that part. I can't put up with that because it's killing you. And it broke my heart to see it. Really what it is, it broke my heart more than anything. When I said I was leaving, she said, why don't you stay and become my manager? And it was a tempting offer, but the heroin I couldn't, I couldn't even begin to put up with. Yep. Mm. Isn't that interesting? takes the man that she loves basically heroin wins unfortunately heroin killed her in October of 1970 the queen of rock and roll so much the queen of rock and roll you know what she did on Dick Cavett Dick Cavett asked her who's the best singer out there today and she said you know the best girl singer out there today is Tina Turner she's with the Ike and Tina Turner Review he had never heard of her. And she said, that's too bad. Tina Turner and her got to know each other. Tina Turner said some beautiful things about Janis Joplin. Now, that's not in the documentary. Yes, yeah, so let's stick to the documentary. And what I'm trying to do is, you know, a lot of the songs are weaved into the story. So we got to be careful. If, you know, if I had that kind of money, we would, you know. Ah, here we go. So what happens is Janice decides to go to her 10th 10th year reunion. And um, it turns out to be a disaster. She has hit it big. I mean, she is now godmother, rock, icon, queen of rock and roll. And this documentary shows you what she's willing to do to get to the top. But heroin is always there in her corner. We're going to talk about that a lot throughout these documentaries. A lot of these musicians, you know, are um, are addicted to heroin um, and die of it. I mean, you think of Kurt Cobain of Nirvana, you know, um, Jimi Hendrix, all died at 27. And um, Janis Joplin, you know, th- think of all the... Everyone who's ever done the version of Summertime, her version probably is the most evocative. And that's an old jazz standard right there. It's, uh, it's about men. It's about men. Did you ever see those mule carts 
though at the beginning she still has the pain and she still has it in her face you can't hide that and what's sad is is that the media which they often do took that and they you know used it against her and it's sad and it's sad um all she wanted was to be loved and she felt that fame was a substitute for love to quote madonna Madonna's substitute for love, Drowned World. Why I'm quoting Madonna and Janis Joplin, hey. Maybe that's what she had in mind. I don't know. But let's continue. And when I was young, some doctor told my mother that if I didn't, quote, straighten up, quote, I was going to end up either in jail or in a sane asylum by the time I was 21, right? So when I turned 25 and my second record came out, I think my mother sent me a congratulatory telegram or something, you know, that I had escaped the pen. 
How do you get along with your parents? Pretty good. Right, they went to a wedding. We get along pretty good. Yeah. They ever seem surprised by your success? I think, yeah. Yeah. Our parents saw it as, you know, challenging to their way of life, to their positions in the community, and it created difficulties between them. And both of them silently with each other, feeling that they had, you know, somehow caused a calamity. It's sad that the queen of rock and roll, this is just painful watching, you know, the queen of rock and roll isn't even welcomed home. She is, again, seen as an outsider, and she's going to be in another documentary that we're going to talk about down the line called Festival Express, which is such a great documentary about this train that takes, you know, it's all these musicians, Buddy Guy, Janis Joplin, the Flying Burrito Brothers, the Grateful Dead, um, the band, all traveling throughout Canada on this train that actually at one point pulls up to a liquor store and buys it out. Yeah. With stories told by the, the surviving members of the Grateful Dead and Buddy Guy. I love Buddy Guy. Come on. And um, the Flying Burrito Brothers. Yeah. Yeah. And Full Tilt, Full Tilt Boogie, which was Janice's band at that time. This was the last year of her life, 1970. And there's a lot more to this documentary, so let's dive back into Janice, Little Girl Blue. Heroin. And she did. And it changed her. Dear family, things are going so well for me. I have a new smaller band and it's really going fantastic. I met a really fine man in Rio, but I had to get back to work so he's off finding the rest of the world. But he really did love me and was so good to me. He wants to come back and marry me. I thought I'd die without someone besides fans asking me, but he meant it and who knows. I may get tired of the music biz, but I'm really getting it on now. She called me up and said, I got a great new band. You want to come back on the road? With Janice, it was magic. She had a, a gift from God when she played. There was a connection there that I don't even know what it was between us. Somehow, we didn't really do a lot. We never did a lot of talking. Yep, and we're not going to go into that because I don't want the music appearing on here. Mm, last year of Janice's life. So Janice, at this point, had had a relationship with um, a singer-songwriter who wrote me on Bobby McGee. Yeah, I think we all know the history behind that song. And um, Chris Christopherson wrote it for her. Chris Christopherson talks about in other interviews about Janice's bed. Oh, he said she had a fine bed. She had leather. She had a leather. She had satin sheets. Oh, my. So he wrote that song about her, me and Bobby McGee. And she recorded it for what would become her final album, released posthumously. Pearl. That was her nickname, Pearl. And 
in during the recording of it, there were a lot of songs that were unfinished. That's why Mercedes Benz is a cappella. It was never finished. <sighs> yeah. There's a lot going on with Janis Joplin. Um, you know, the the end the end was near. Did she know that it was near? You know, what had happened was she stopped doing heroin. Um, and then she just got, she got back on it. She had done Festival Express, you know, which we're going to talk about at a later date. Oh, here we go. In the sparks that she threw off, she had a, a right proper appreciation for what Janice was and what she had to offer. And of course, that's um, Bob Weir talking about um, Janice. They're all playing together, drunk. And there's a clip of her singing Me and Bobby McGee for the first time. This is before she recorded it. Isn't that eerie? Very eerie. Um, a lot went down during those final months. I mean, you think of who, in 1970, okay, Janis Joplin dies. Well, first Jimi Hendrix dies in September of 1970. And then Janis Joplin dies. Two icons of that era. Here we go. And Chris Christopherson talking about me and Bobby McGee. Um, why he wrote it. Her number one hit. She went out on top. That's what Pearl did. And there's so much to be said about Janis Joplin, the music, the voice, so many little things that she did. She bought, um, here we go. Who's producing it? You haven't worked with him before, huh? No, no, I haven't. The first time I talked to Janis about Paul, she said, boy, that guy. And I said, what? And she started talking about him. And I had, this is serious Janice. And I had never heard her say this kind of stuff about anybody. She was talking about how much she was learning from him. Mood was very up. I mean, as good as sessions get. Everybody in love with everybody else and working very hard. And uh, Janice, she was always ready to do Yeah. Paul Rothschild, who had worked with The Doors, and, um, yeah, we're not going to play the music because I'm not trying to get pulled. This documentary is powerful. These people that are talking about her, I mean, they loved her. This is still painful for them to talk about. As a, as a viewer and as a listener, I remember the first time I heard Janis Joplin, and I thought, who is that? And I remember I just graduated high school and they were doing this thing of 100 women, 100 years, 100 women. And they had done Billie Holiday and Madonna and Ella Fitzgerald, you know, the successful singers of this 20th century. And then they started into Janis Joplin. And I'm like, what? The first time, you don't forget the first time you hear Janis Joplin. It's like, whoa, oh my God. Oh my God. I remember because my grandmother was talking about it with me. She says, oh, I didn't like her. I said, are you kidding me? When she's singing Summertime, it's like, ooh, that's bluesy. I always love the blues. So, and unfortunately, they mention it, you know, like, like Billie Holiday, Janis was all about heroin. So, that sad connection. 
And, um, you know, we here we are. You know, she had done, um, cos- you know, Cosmic Blues, first uh, solo album, Full, Full Tilt Boogie, and then she did Pearl, which she didn't live to see. And, um... Chris Christopherson says it's still emotional for him to talk about. You know, that song, that moment, Pearl. In fact, at her funeral, it said, the drinks are on me, Pearl. Here we go. Except that she always hated the down hours. The Janice who says, how come the guys in the band go home, you know, with these girls and I go home alone? She was saying, you can't imagine how hard it is to be me. She just didn't know who to relax with. She just didn't know anymore. A lot of pressure. Gotta do this, Janice, you gotta do that. That's what made it hard for her, I think. She loved everybody, that was the problem. She was like a little girl lost, and then she would be as strong as a mountain lion. anyone could see she had kicked heroin she replaced it with alcohol but it didn't look like that was going to kill her I think she just thought one last little uh, hurrah I can understand her wanting to you know uh, no one's ever going to know I'll hang in my room do a hit and then go to bed Rothschild called me and he said, Janice isn't here. Can you see if you can find her? And I pull out of the driveway and I just look up there and I know which window is hers and there's a light in the window. And when I opened the door, I had this really simple and direct feeling, nobody's here. I came around the corner and saw Janice lying by the bed. Yep. That's the end. Nobody is here. He knew. Isn't that eerie that he was so right? And this documentary, this is this is truly powerful. And Janice died on Janice Joplin died on October fourth, nineteen seventy. Here we go. We we can't have the music. It's playing. I love the music. That's why it's tough for me. Ooh, I love when she did that song, Raise Your Hand, on Ed Sullivan. That is such a battle cry right there. you know. And then she did it with with um, Tom Jones. I, I think they had had a little thing together, you know. Um, Before they got the last consonant in her name after she was dead. Yeah. Here we go. Janice's album, Pearl, was released just three months after her death. It sold four million records. Me and Bobby McGee, McGee re- remains her biggest hit. Mm. Really miss you. Things aren't. Yeah. Unfortunately, the music's playing. We can't play some of these clips. You know, trust me, if I, if I had the power, we would. I love the music that much as I did the Stooges, as I did Madonna, 
David's telegram was discovered at the front desk the morning after Janice's death. See if she had read that. You know, um, we can hear a little bit of it. And her, who she was in some way that nobody else that I knew was that in touch. Yep. And to be that way, to try to get that. Isn't that amazing? It ends with the title of the song that she sang. That's the price you pay. Uh, yeah, for fame. Doing that kind of art on that level. Yep. Isn't that tough? This is where it's not all fun and games. I'm awfully sorry to be such a disappointment to you, but I really do think there's an awfully good chance I won't blow it this time. Oh, my God. There's really nothing more I can say right now. Yeah. It's all right more when I have more news. Until then, address all criticism to the above address. And please, believe that you can't possibly want for me to be a winner more than I do. Mm, and that that's sad. That's the last letter. Oh my god. What a, what an icon. What a really yeah, uh, the music lives, but when you hear the music, you feel it. This 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 isn't how much is that doggy in the window. This isn't these boots are made for walking. I'm not taking anything away from those. But when you hear it's like it, I'm going to compare I don't like to compare. When singers of that caliber die, for me, it's like with Whitney Houston. When I see old clips of her singing, it, it cuts you. It hits you. Same with Janis Joplin. There are certain songs, you hear them, and like that clip of her at her high school reunion, I cut you right there. And this documentary, I think she'd be proud of it. I think she'd be a little embarrassed. You know, when you see your life up there, you know, think of it. This is this is as close to an autobiography. Oh, actually, that's not true. I take that back. Because the songs, whether she wrote them or not, this is a, that's autobiographical right there. And no one can touch her. No one, no man, no woman at that time could touch the the music, the persona, the stage presence of Janis Joplin, narrated by Chan Marshall, produced by Alex Gibbery, directed by Amy J. Berg, Janis, Little Girl Blue, 2015 documentary. Um, yeah, here we go. Dearest family. Although I never, ever met Janice, she was my best friend in this whole world. Janice was a beautiful person because she always put everything she had into her music. She was and always will be the mother of the blues. Words fail me now. Nevertheless, I am very, very sorry. That's her mother. Reading it than they are now. And Janice was fearless with her pain and with her truth, and that was one of the most inspiring things for me. Watching her going, "Oh, okay, I don't need to be anything other than who I am." To perform that way with those lyrics and those songs, and to feel there's no lie in it, it is like. You might as well be slashing yourself on stage and opening your skin. <laughs> 
she like took a flag and made a place in rock and roll for women. And she was the first to really feel that crazy light of what rock and roll was at the time. I don't know if you knew Janis Joplin well. She sent me a birthday you... tape on my birthday. Our last yeah. birthday, Yoko asked all different people to make a tape for me, and she was one of them. And we got it. After she died, it arrived in the post sing that she was singing happy birthday to me in the studio. What do you think could be done about drug overdosing in well, or out of the profession of I music? I think the, the basic thing nobody asks is why do people take drugs of any sort, from alcohol to aspros to hard drugs? I mean, is there something wrong with society that's making us so pressurized that we cannot live in it without guarding ourselves against it? That's Little Girl Blue All these people that admired her That loved her Her brother and sister Laura and Michael Joplin Gotta give credit Because without them Without those stories Without that love for their late sister Janis Joplin was inducted Posthumously into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 1995 by Melissa Etheridge, whom many would compare to Janis Joplin. The urgency, the blues. You know, when, when, you, when you hear Melissa Etheridge, she's not faking it. So when you hear Pink, Pink who's also talking about her, Pink doesn't fake it. You know, these, these are women... Um, and even some of the men, too. I mean, you know, you got people like Rufus Wainwright, who loved Janis Joplin, you know. Uh, Robert Plant of Led Zeppelin has a fond memory of hanging out with Janis Joplin. And you could say they kind of wrote about it in um, Misty Mountaintop. Or Misty Mountain Hop, where he's he's obviously talking about Berkeley. If you've if you've never been to Berkeley, California, Misty Mountain Top, it gets it gets misty up in Berkeley. People's Park, you know, he's talking about lots of people in the park with flowers in their head. That's People's Park right there. That's the hippies. And he talked about hanging out with Janice. Jim Morrison supposedly had a thing with Janice. This isn't in the documentary. Well, what this documentary gives us is a portrait um, that her brother and sister lovingly gave their permission. You know, they said, hey, we'll talk about her. Because, you know, there are times where the family doesn't want to be involved. Um, first of all, let's just talk about the hits. Let's talk about the hits. Not all of them you would consider a hit. I mean, there's... Oh, my God. Even the live... You know, a lot of the live stuff outweighs the stuff that she recorded. I am just... You know, it's a it's a funny thing when you discover someone who's been gone that long. And I discovered her when I was maybe 17, 18. And there's this all... It's, it's like a treasure trove of, of beauty. Um, Turtle Blues with Big Brother and the Holding Company. Such a great bluesy song. Oh my God, she takes it. She takes it. I got the old uh, got the old cosmic blues again, Mama. Work me, Lord. Woo. I need a man to love. Ball and chain. You know, um, so much to be said. So much. Um, I, I am speechless. I'm speechless in terms of. You know, you think about what 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 sh what would she be doing right now? 
you know, would her and Grace Slick have like a reality show? I hope not. You know, um, Grace, you know, that's what I love about Grace Slick. She continues to create portraits of her friends, Janice and Jim and, and Jerry Garcia, um, you know, talks lovingly about these characters and they were characters Janice Joplin was a character I mean you know um, and and at the same time maybe it's an exterior that she created <sighs> you know what a what an interesting character though you know, a lot of uh, contradictions. If you think of what what she created, you know, there weren't a lot of women at that time doing it. You know, she was one of the first. Her and her and Grace like, and then Tina Turner followed. You know, and um, but. You know, the sad thing is in order to play with the boys, she had to drink like the boys and she had to do the heroin. She didn't have to do it, but that's what she chose. And, you know, heroin is such a, it's such a deadly thing. And, um, we can't, we can't make light of that. Okay. Of, uh, what happened and um yeah i mean those those songs will live forever you know me and bobby mcgee um i got them old cosmic blues again mama summertime you know try just a little bit harder yeah There's so much I could say about Janis Joplin. You know, um, she was and still is that icon. You you can't take that away from her. And um, we're going to talk about her again at some point with Festival Express. But tonight, I give you Janis. Little girl blue. I'm a little, yeah, verklempt. What a, what a what a interesting character. You know, when you love the music, it's a little tougher. It's a little tougher, and you see how far they went with it. Her tormented love affairs, stretches of drugs and sobriety, one constant remained. Janice was committed to her music, above all, until her heartbreaking demise and death at the age of 27. This is Janice, Little Girl Blue. This is the Dr. Zeus Film Podcast. Rather than say what I usually say, because this is a very sad, you know, um, as Janice would say, and it's one of my favorite songs that she sings, the way she did it on Ed Sullivan, raise your hand. 